The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Order. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Wednesday, October the 12th, and you're very welcome to this morning after the budget podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me in studio today, Fianna Foyles and Sinn Féin spokespeople on public expenditure, Derek Leary and David Cullinan, along with Fine Gael's Minister for State at the Department of Finance and Public Expenditure, Owen Murphy, and also our own deputy political editor, Pat Leahy. Pat, I'm going to go to you first. I'm slightly taken by um, the, the hazard of our profession is uh, is being at the mercy of our sub-editors. Uh, your, your piece on the budget today. A budget of a dissipated and compromised government. I looked up dissipated in the dictionary just before we came in. It means uh, uh, sensual, amoral, uh, given to moral turpitude of, of, of all kinds of, of description. Is that what you... Yeah, that's right. I wrote that piece in the Dáil Bar last night <laughs> and um, I, I, I simply reported what I saw. Uh, no, um, as you say, we're at the mercy of the sub-editors and if you wish to cast aspersions on their literacy, you go right ahead. I shall mm-hmm. not do so, but but uh, in the copy of uh, the piece, uh, I refer to the government's will being dissipated, which has a slightly different uh, meaning. Uh, it means that it is spread out amongst uh, so many objectives. Fragmented that... and has lost its its impact. Exactly. Unless yeah. it's a homeopathic government, in which case even the smallest grain of something or other affects the whole body. But I yes, don't think we don't believe as... in homeopathy here in the Irish Times. Uh, no, we are squarely dedicated yeah. uh, to the scientific method. Yeah. And uh, therefore... Uh, all, all mumbo jumbo, be it uh, be it uh, political or otherwise, is our. So, does this really mean then that, from your point of view, uh, this budget is a bit um, what people call meh? Well, I suppose there's a discussion as to whether it's a ne budget mm. or a meh budget. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> I think, really, what it is is, uh, I sort of refer to it somewhere as kind of a late late show budget, in that there is something for everybody in the audience, and given the extent to which government resources for next year are necessarily constrained because of the circumstances in which it finds itself and also because of the fiscal rules that it had limited resources spread very thinly uh, over a, a, a wide array of initiatives and giveaways and so forth. So while there are serious attempts to deal with problems in public policy like childcare and help for first-time buyers and so forth. Um, This uh, was balanced. I don't think you'd see a massive impact in those areas because it had to be balanced by the need to uh, to increase social welfare payments. If you look across the departmental spending, and I think this is one of the stories of what happened with this budget in the last couple of weeks, how spending across the departmental budgets was increased uh, in response to political pressure. We know because John McHale has pointed it out um, both in our paper this morning and on RTE, the oh, extent to which... Council. Uh, indeed, the, the government's going kind to of budget watchdog the extent to which the budget has grown from what ministers said it was uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
um, in terms of the, the extra spending that it um, uh, that it has implemented to the extent that it will breach uh, the state's EU uh, obligations under uh, under under the fiscal rules. But I think the story behind that is a reaction to political pressure. But it's it's the reaction to that political pressure meant that um, that the extra spending had to be spread so thinly because I think that an awful lot of the budget measures were done in in almost as much in fear of not doing them as because the government was convinced that so, they had to so be done. So budget in this instance is a sort to, of a hazard course <clears throat> for a government really. Yeah, I think, you know, it it it, it put f- five euros on the uh, on, on the old age pension as much because it was afraid of the pensioners uh, if, it, if it didn't as because it was convinced uh, that it was the best use of limited resources. And similarly, once that had been decided, then it felt it had to give uh, five euros to uh, other social welfare uh, recipients because it was afraid of them had it not uh, done so. And I think that's an important dynamic within the construction of this budget. But it also tells us something important about the government that has wrought uh, this budget. And that is, going back to where we started, that its will uh, is dissipated, if not its ministers. On the government of which you're a part, its will is dissipated? No, I, I don't think so at all. And I, I think it's probably unfair, very unfair to talk about this being a, a fragmented uh, approach to the budget or one that's overly concerned with the, the politics around it. I think when you, you see what we're trying to do with this budget, the economic recovery is now firmly established. If you look at the numbers behind what's happening in the economy, you look at employment, when you look at uh, consumption, when you look at what's coming into the exchequer in, from, in, in the form of taxation, those numbers are very solid and sound. So we have space now to spend extra money in the economy. And as we do that, we have to look at the needs in society, be they in education, be they in health, be they in transport, uh, across the various sectors, and see how we can make what small improvement we can make with this budget, which is only one budget in a step process. But it's important because a lot of people have suffered across Irish society in the recession, that now as we have money to spend, that we do spend it in areas where it is needed. And there is a lot of need in Irish society at the moment for investment uh, of taxation. And that's what we're trying to do with this budget. And of course, there's a new political dynamic at play because of the result of the election in 2016. And does that political dynamic mean that that unlike the, the, the pitch which Fine Gael put forward at the, at, at the election, or indeed the, the last budget of the previous government, that the emphasis is far more now on spending uh, on state intervention rather than on cutting taxes. I mean, a three-to-one relationship from the two is quite a shift, isn't it? Three-to-one three is quite a shift from the two-to-one. The two-to-one was there in the Confidence Supply Agreement and it's also there in the Programme for Partnership Government. And it's borne about by all of the different actors who are involved in shaping the budget, not just on the Fianna Fáil side and their Confidence Supply Agreement and not just on the Independent Minister's side, but also within Fine Gael because of the need that Fine Gael ministers see as well in terms of the need to increase spending. Now, we, we still have to make reductions on the taxation side because that's important in terms of keeping the economy competitive, increasing investment and increasing job creation. But, you know, the spending that we're putting in place is, is, is part of the public good and it's part of a direction in which we're trying to take the country to make up for some of the difficulties that we've seen through the recession, but also to invest in the future. So when you look at things like the extra funding that's going into education at third level, it's very important from that point of view. When you look at the money that's going into the housing sector through Simon Coveney's plan, but also some of the initiatives that are announced by Michael Noonan, again, that's trying to unlock key infrastructure so that we can meet the capacity needs of the future generations. Dara, um, your colleague Michael McGrath was channeling WB Yates there yesterday afternoon talking about 
that the, the centre are holding. I mean, uh, Yeats is the second coming, talks about anarchy loosed upon the world and the blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. So there's a sort of apocalyptic feel when that particular f- poem is, is quoted. Yeats was talking about a time when uh, democracy was challenged both from left and right. But the centre, which he, which Michael McGraw was talking about yesterday, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, uh, most of the independents, is really only challenged from the left, isn't it? Well, firstly, um, it's the first budget discussion where we've had dissipation, homeopathy, and Yates. Welcome, to, welcome to your Irish Times podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, nothing yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, and espresso like coffee. And two supporters um, at the budget talking about why they support the budget. Well, so, the opposition is um, sitting here. Look, you'll get plenty to, of time, I assure you. bring it back to the 26th of February. Uh, and you spoke to, to own there, you know, the message that was sent on the 26th of February was the people wanted something different. They wanted public services invested in. They wanted to give a break uh, to people that hadn't had that break in so long. The mandate was less clear. Um, it was quite a dissipated mandate. On three different occasions, we sought to lead a government and that wasn't successful. So we stood back uh, and through confidence and supply, we facilitated the formation of this government. But before we did that and before we agreed to that, we ensure that there will be a two-to-one split in terms of a uh, minimum of a two-to-one split in terms of uh, expenditure and investment in public services versus taxation. And on that stone uh, uh, is this budget. It's, it's the foundation stone of this budget. So it was a very limited window this year. We always knew that. Uh, it was very limited investment opportunities. We always knew that. Uh, but we had to stake out investment in services, in health, in education, to address major issues in those areas so that people would feel um, that the decision they took last February was being implemented. And everybody, be they left, be they right, be they centre, had an opportunity during April and May to actually influence the, the, the pattern of government. A lot stood back from that opportunity. We took it on uh, in a very different way, but we took it on and we influenced yesterday's budget through confidence and supply by taking on that chance. David, as you quite rightly pointed out, Sinn Féin is the main opposition party when it comes to this budget because Dara, to the confidence and supply arrangement, Fianna Fáil will be uh, abstaining and are voting in favour of the various the various measures involved. Um, I know you put out your own stall as a party for what you would have done if it was a, it was a, if it was a Sinn Féin government, but what would be the single most important point of difference between Sinn Féin as the main opposition party and the government which was pro- and the budget which was proposed yesterday? Investment. In one word, investment. Uh, investment on the social side in terms of housing, childcare, health and all of those important social issues that are facing families, but also investment on the capital side in terms of roads, broadband and flood relief. And Dara talked earlier about the limited investment opportunities. This government invested €400 million Euro of additionality in terms of capital investment. And we hear an awful lot from Fianna Fáil in recent times and also Fine Gael about the lack of flexibility in terms of the application of the fiscal rules. One of the flexibilities we do have is that you can smooth capital spend over four years. You can spread the cost over four years, which is what we did in our alternative budget, which is why we had a spend of £1,270 million on the capital side. And that's to deal with all of the issues that Dara will talk about for the rest of the year and Fianna Fáil will talk about and others in terms of flood relief when we have the floods, roads which need to be invested in, schools and hospitals but also on the social side in relation to housing, the people need homes. There's, there are people who are listening to this podcast and the question that they will ask is does, this, does the budget rise to the challenge that they face as individuals and as families and it does not and the reason why it doesn't rise to the challenge is that this 
budget was very short term in his thinking. It was a political carve up between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, and it did not focus on the real issues facing people. There was no plan, there was no strategy, no sense of vision. It was just a debate around four or five euro, as important as it is. It was going to be three fifty or four or five euro for the old age pensioners and for welfare. And we got a settlement in the end where the payment was delayed by a couple of months, which was which was cynical in itself. But there was no real vision around how do we invest in public services? How do we invest in public infrastructure to meet the challenges that we need? And the government failed that test, in my view. And the reason why they failed is because this was a carve-up between these two parties, who Michael Noonan said quite rightly last night, have more in common than any other party, and a few sprinkles thrown in for the independent. Election. I know, Owen, and indeed, Darryl, I, I know you would come up, but Pat, I just want to, I want to ask you about that, because actually David seems to share your, your, your analysis to, to, to a large degree there. And this point about the, the, the limitations of the fiscal space which, which, which Owen referred to. I mean, is, is, that, is that the harsh reality of an Irish budget in 2017 that I think Chris Johns makes this point in a column in the Irish Times today that actually the leeway in the fiscal space annual planning is really pretty limited and are, are there other ways of approaching this? Oh, it's very limited, notwithstanding that, as John McHale says, from the Fiscal Council says that they will breach the, uh, some of the targets or they'll miss some of the targets that they're obligated um, uh, to meet. I don't expect a great pushback from Brussels uh, out of that and they will meet them uh, later, if not um, if not sooner. But there's, what about the there's, point about there's capital two things. There's there's two things that constrain the uh, any Irish government of whatever stripe putting together a budget. The first is the fiscal rules, which are part of Irish law now, and uh, the second is the reality of the economic, uh, the broader economic situation, and the reality of. Uh, of, of putting together a government budget when you have to, because of our enormous debt pile, which was one of the legacies of the crash that must be constantly re- refinanced, any government must keep an eye on the views of the markets. Now, at the moment, the government uh, has the market's confidence. It can borrow at uh, terms that are historically low, and arguably it makes sense for them to do so now. But if that confidence were to disappear through uh, due to the actions of an Irish government or because the external environment changed radically, which is uh, 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 which is eminently imaginable, then an Irish government would find itself uh, uh, would would find itself even more constrained. So those are realities that any budget making must go around. One 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 more point, just about the um, uh, the level of, of of investment in this budget vis-a-vis, say, tax cuts and the split yesterday as. Um, uh, as Michael Noonan says, was in advance or was in excess of what Fianna Fáil required. Fianna Fáil required a two-to-one split between um, uh, in, in favour of spending and tax uh, uh, and tax cuts, and that was exceeded yesterday. He got three times as much money in, uh, in spending that increases. Three hundred million largely went towards expenditure, pretty much but, exclusively. But as John McHale points out, the total budget package, when you include previously announced spending increases for the Lansdowne Road Agreement, for hiring extra uh, extra public servants to account for demographics, for pre-committed capital spending and so forth. When you add in all those things, the total budget side, okay, it was 1.2, 1.3 billion of the stuff that was announced yesterday, but the total budget increase, as John McHale points out, is 3 billion euros, which means, if my arithmetic is right, that 300 million is one-tenth of uh, of the available resources 
uh, for very good political reasons uh, and, and, and because that is a priority that the government has chosen to, uh, to give to it, echoed, I think, on, on the other side of the House, if anything, uh, uh, if anything that, uh, that it, it chose to prioritise in investment. But tax cuts got a much smaller part of this budget than simply three to one. And, and that reflects the, the political reality of yeah. the of the job, doesn't it? But just to come back to a point that we maybe started off with in terms mm. of the centre ground of politics and holding the centre ground, it's about more than you know the positioning of political parties. When you look at what happened in the Brexit vote and the flight from fact, you know, we've heard enough from the experts. When you look at what's happening in the presidential debate and the fact that one of the candidates there seems to be able to lie and, and get away with it, we have to fight here in Ireland to make sure that we don't let the political discourse go down the way of where we can't even agree on central facts. So when you see a 3.3% increase in spending, in investment in the economy into next year, over this year, you can't turn around and say this government isn't investing in the public good. When you see an increase of $1 billion into health, 26% increase in capital spending, 35% increase in early learning years, you can't turn around and sit there and say there isn't investment in the budget. Of course there is. But see, this is where the sleight of hand comes. And I said yesterday this was a masterclass in spin in terms of the presentation of the figures. I'll give two examples. In Minister Donohue's speech yesterday, he said that this was an additional €497 million Euro in health. It's actually €187 million. million. It's €147 million additional of current and €40 million on capital. He was including in that the pre-committed funding that we all signed up to in terms of the difference between the gross fiscal space and the net fiscal space, which includes, as was said, the ageing demographic, the, the additional staff needed just to stand still. So most of the funding which has been put in is just to enable the health service, for example, to stand still. The additional was 187 million on the but education was an side. Additional 500 million on the, for health in July. Exactly, but that's I'm, I'm, but that's separate from this. He's talking and that about that will also be spent next year. Million. The money that was Sorry, spent this year will be continued respect, next year as well. I'm talking about what he described as additional. The same in education. It was again the headline figure was 458 million. The actual additionality was 130 million because they included in their figures money which is committed to pay that doesn't inc- that still, doesn't it's still extra money what no, you, what you say is correct is that I'm, it had been previously point, been advanced, my, my point money. is this does any of that money which is pre-committed in terms of pay does that increase capacity in the health system yes. no does that increase capacity it, does. it doesn't increase capacity Nurses, in terms of beds it doesn't increase capacity it does. in terms of where do you think the money is no no in pay it doesn't David's talking about sleight of hand so I'm talking about the sleight of hand of the figures I'm saying the no. figures are don't forget your own don't forget Sinn Féin's own very big sleight of hand which is to put a billion euro extra taxation on an economy which is in a very fragile state especially we walked in here to this building today we were faced with all the characters of Brexit downstairs in the context of Brexit putting a billion extra euro of taxation on the economy, on businesses, on a range of areas, on people with high incomes. Many of the people listening to this podcast should know that if David's proposals were implemented, you'll be paying an awful lot more tax um, in terms of your personal taxation bill. So we we, we can't do that at this stage. This economy isn't able for a billion euro extra worth of taxation. The investments announced yesterday, and I think one point we're all agreed on, budget day announcements often don't make a difference. So 500 million euro that went into health in June has not made a discernible difference on the ground. That's where we all need to actually focus our efforts on making sure that it makes a difference. And I proposed yesterday the Budget Oversight Committee needs to involve itself now in ensuring that the announcements actually hit the ground and the increases that we're disputing, the technical... If you could respond on the tax point, David. We have record levels of people who are on hospital trolleys. We have record levels of people who are victims of a housing crisis. And Dara knows as well, as, and we hear this from Fianna Fáil all the time, <coughs> record levels of people who are waiting 18 months 
little longer simply to get a, a, a hospital appointment. So we can't deal with these problems if we don't invest. The revenue that we raise... One billion. The revenue that we raise... The, the, the revenue that we, we raise is, first of all, on those who earn over 100,000. If you earn up to 2,000 euro a week, no additional taxation. We have a third rate of tax. So if you earn 150,000... Sure, you total income pay only, taking 51,000 a year each. Like you pay 7 cents in every euro and anything in addition to 100,000 uh, euro. We also wanted to reduce the massive pension entitlements for those who have gold-plated pensions to reduce the standard uh, fund threshold from 2.1 million of a pot to 1.7 million. Because we have people who are on pensions of 65,000 a year, which is twice the average industrial wage, and they can get tax relief on that up to 40%. We want that reduced down to that anybody who is in receipt of a pension of the average industrial wage of 35,000 still gets the relief. Anything above that, you pay for it yourself. We wanted a sugar tax. We wanted to increase the online betting tax. And that's all necessary to pay for the services that people need. You see, the difference between me and Dara, I won't tolerate somebody lying in a hospital trolley and I won't tolerate the housing crisis I will. I am That's prepared I won't tolerate it either I won't tolerate it either but I'll stand up I'll stand up and do something about it Sinn Féin will talk about, 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 about the person on the trolley they'll talk about the person who doesn't have a house we actually engaged when you guys in March April and uh, May ran to the hills. We engaged in a process that allowed us to do something about the person and on the trolley, allowed again, us to do something again, on the holding, this is again the housing the spin list. From and David you, talks and Shin's game talk, talk a good game. No, because I'm just sick of your nonsense. You talk the talk, but when it came to walking the walk, you ran away. Well, let's actually, be, just, let me just nail that. Michal Martin, on every single occasion before the election, during the election and after the election categorically ruled out coalition with Sinn Féin. So how could we talk and go into a government with a party that rules out? Dara knows that. The point about tolerating people on housing waiting lists or health waiting lists is you either raise the revenue to invest in these services or you don't. We can cry crocodile mm. tears all year long about these areas. Isn't there a point here, Owen, which is that the, 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 I mean, this budget virtually has no new revenue raising measures apart from the Thirty euro or the thirty cent on the on the on the cigarette packet. The, the best way to raise revenue in an economy is through productivity, not through taxation. The more you tax something, the less you get. So by increasing jobs, bringing more people into the tax net, and they're paying taxation. That's what we've been doing for the last five years. We had a bailout in two thousand and ten. The Fianna Fáil government at the time drafted a national recovery plan, and Sinn Féin has voted against basically every single decision made since two thousand and ten that has helped this economy recover faster than anyone thought it could. The fastest growing economy in Europe last year, and it's on course to be again this year. And Sinn Féin's voted against all of the proposals, the changes in taxation, the different investments that we've made that have brought us to the position where we now can start Darren, to invest point, again in the economy. one single budget. In I the can't last point to one years. budget that you support. No, can you point to one? Can, can you point to budget? one budget that you supported? Can you find? Can you? Can you, can you uh, point to one budget? Fianna Fáil budget the Fine Gael passed. When you were in opposition, your job was to challenge the Fianna Fáil budgets. Fine Gael voted against every single Fianna Fáil budget from 97 onwards and before that. So that's the, what opposition did. So saying that you we don't support your budget, we don't support it because we don't agree with it. No, because we don't think they're making the right choices. The economic recovery there are, and then spending that money. What I will, say, what I will say is that there are elements of the budget we agree with. There are elements of the budget which are good. It's our job which as elements? an opposition 
it's our job. Well, there's some obviously spending increases we do. Well, support, there are spending like increases. increases the, so, yeah, there's some. There's yeah. some. Well, you said there was no investment that. in this budget. So. That's not the point I made at all. It's the lack David, of the capital point, investment. Uh, David, As you know, we talked about capital investment. 26% increase on But this nonsense that we don't support the budget. Fine Gael and the Labour Party have never supported the Fianna Fáil budget. And Fianna Fáil didn't support, Dara didn't support, his party didn't support any of the previous government's budgets over the last five years. David cannot welcome the things he wants to welcome in the budget without acknowledging there wouldn't have been a budget or there wouldn't have been things to welcome without us facilitating this budget Gary, can I move this on by, by going back to a point which David and in a way uh, uh, Pat made as well which is that the increasingly it seems to be the budget process is sort of misleading in that it only deals with a, a slice of the overall financial decisions which are made over the course of the year that leads to accusations such as the one David has made of, of you know misrepresentation of what's actually going on is this the is this do you hope this will be the last of this type of budgets that we will see that the new systems will be in place next year yeah I, and I think everything will be I've great, I've, I want to give the new system a chance um, I, we had budget oversight uh, committee this year. It was very condensed. Um, it was kind of we only started really working in September. Um, but the one thing about the meetings we had, the presentations were given, and you had people around the table. David's on it with me. With very different political perspectives, but the debate was always interesting. It was civil. The big difference but for how, next how year how is that we will have an independent. Did it have then? Very little part on this occasion, yeah. and we knew it wasn't going to on this occasion because of the squeezed nature, and it was missing its main element, which is going to be the independent budget scrutiny office that's going to be assigned to the Oireachtas. So as of now, you depend on the figures coming from the Department of Finance, coming from the Department of Public Expenditure. When we cast proposals, they, your PQ, the minister, we are now going to have an independent budget office. And it's important now that we ensure that that's resourced properly and uh, that we get somebody a very high caliber What was interesting about those discussions, and Daryl is right, is that almost every single expert that came before that group, from the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council to the ESRI, to economists, to uh, the trade unions, every single one of them, not one single expert agreed with phasing out the USC. And all of them said that what we need to do is to front load capital spend, to take advantage of the ability to smooth the cost over four years and to invest in infrastructure. And that proves my point. There wasn't a single voice. It's one of the few areas where the Irish Congress of Trade Unions and Is that what you heard from that process, on? Well, just wanted to make one point about what's also happening next year, which I think is important, because often we find ourselves in this kind of phony war over a small amount like you know, what we're going to spend in social protection when you really got to look at everything that we're spending as a government, the entire 58 billion euro package. And Pascal Dunne, who announced yesterday that that's what's going to happen next year, a review of all of public spending, so that when it comes to budget time and hopefully through the Budget Scrutiny Office, we can look at the, the whole quantum of what goes into health and to make sure that it's being spent effectively. Yeah, people have been talking about reform of the budget uh, process for a long time. There's been, com- there's, been, there's, been, there's been two comprehensive spending reviews in the last, the last number of years. They haven't changed the essence of the budget pro- process, which takes place in secret, which is the product of political deals and which is then done in one big, uh, in, in one big unveiling. What it seems to me the opportunity that the present political arrangements uh, present themselves is uh, is one which might be a more useful way of approaching the process, which is to look at, say, something like the uh, the Department of Health. And the government is congratulating itself for saying that we're going to spend a billion euros extra on health next year. The opposition largely saying it's not a, uh, uh, it's not enough. But there's one massive inconvenient fact 
about uh, health spending, which is that according to the OECD, we're one of the highest spenders on healthcare mm-hmm. in the world. So it's an efficiency problem rather than an expenditure. We get problem. for for that highest spending between public and private, we get outcomes which are at best middling to poor in terms of a range of indicators and the outcomes of the Irish health system. So before you start adding extra billions, Mm. I don't want to say throwing money at it is a pejorative term, but before you go about increasing the budget, it seems to me that there is work to be done in discovering exactly why there is this uh, uh, th- this contradiction between more money going in and 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 poor and poorer outcomes, and I see nothing in yesterday's uh, yesterday's budget or in any of the discourse surrounding it that even begins to take on that. Oh, no, I think I think Pascal's review of expenditure next year will do that. I think the the budget scrutiny committee has a role in that as well, and I think also Simon Harris's attempt to build with the Oireachtas a ten year vision for. Uh, our health system is a part of that as well. I mean, this is a new process that we're in. It's a new process both because of the type of a minority government that we have and a confidence and supply arrangement, but it's also a new process in terms of the new structures that have been put in place in the Oireachtas and the releasing of documentation earlier and then debating around that in committees. So it needs time to bed down and it needs new resources to come to it as well uh, next year. I think it's important that they're there. Can I ask you on, a, on, a, on another point? I mean, the, the, along with health, the other big issue it's been acknowledged for this government is is, is housing and, yeah. and, and by association homelessness in, in, in certain instances. And most of the big ticket items in relation to that were announced, uh, you know, were announced some time ago by, by Simon Coveney. But the, the, the 50 million euro announced by Michael Noonan yesterday for this for first time buyer's rebate, that's essentially uh, a bribe to builders uh, by way of pushing up prices in the property market, isn't it? That's, well, well, no, that's what he said. No, what he's what we've heard is we, we've heard contradictory uh, points on this in terms of people coming out and saying this will do nothing to increase supply, but at the same time they're saying it's going to line the pockets of developers. So which is it? Well, we have a problem with supply of first-time builds, or new homes, um, and we need to get new homes being built. And by bringing this into the market through the purchaser, the first-time buyer, uh, we believe it's going to incentivize builders to build new homes and that they're going to have an ability with that. Which is, which is, which is, because the prices are going to go a up. a rebate of their own income. Well, no, first of all, it has to be built. There's a dysfunctional market at the moment and we don't know what the market is for new builds because enough of them aren't being built. But there's certainly a demand and we're going to help reinforce that demand with this, what is effectively people's own money coming back through their own tax rebate uh, over the past four years to put against their deposit to be able to build a new home up to the value of 400000 and then it'll be capped to carry over to, say, 600000 for people who are around, say, the But the impact of that is, you know, as Michael Noonan said in the Dáil yesterday, the impact of that is it will increase demand and that, therefore, that will drive up price. Well, we hope it'll increase supply of new homes. By isn't increasing demand, isn't this... Yeah, well, as I understand it, no, yeah, this yeah, is sure, Noonan's sure, idea. The market can then stimulate that demand, that will create supply. But that's another yeah, but way, that's a general way of saying, in abstract terms that it will increase prices. The only organisation it, that on came own. out full square behind this proposal was the Irish Construction Federation. Uh, almost all of the other organisations and people who are experts in, in the property area all said that this will just put money back into the pockets of developers and builders and, and push up the price of, of uh, properties. And the big issue facing this state is the supply side, and especially in terms of public housing. Like we had an opportunity to purchase homes. There's a lot of homes across the state, a lot of vacant properties that can be purchased. 
we need to build as well and actually that's yeah. the best way and when the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council as Darren knows was before the Budget Scrutiny Committee one of the things they said is that if we increase supply in public housing and they very rarely talk about that will impact supply, on the private that market impact as on well. the private rental market and that's the actual Dara, Dara, this is this, this is an element of the budget that Fianna Fáil disagrees with yeah, yeah because I'm actually um, I don't think it's going to do anything for supply I think the problems around supply are lack of uh, funds lack of builders to do it but more importantly lack of service land and um, even if there were builders to go in the morning the lack of service land to do the kind of scale of public housing we need is a major issue particularly here in the city I would personally I would prefer to see there's 50 million going into a service land initiative next year, which is going to be co-financed by the local authorities. Um, that's where we need to start moving and put more resources in to get service land but there's moving already, quicker. there's already service land available yeah. for tens of thousands of houses Do, around. But they're not being built. They're not being built because it's not well. economic for yeah. the builders to but, build them. But I don't, just stock of Vince, I think this is going to add to prices. Um, you know, I think as we do, and I really it will add, it passionately will add to prices. That's the idea. we need a major public housing campaign Public uh, councils across Ireland built 75 houses in 2015 because the skill level, they're not able to do it. That's where we need but to that, start that we do and have then that take the pressure off. In the rebuilding government. Ireland, so it's important not to look at any one individual measure on its own. Everything in the property market is related, whether it's student accommodation, So you're saying this is just one small part of an overall... It's, it's one part of a more complex piece of climate measures that were announced yesterday. There was this uh, so-called tax relief for, for first-time buyers. We also had an additional €110 million, Euro, which is going into the Housing Assist Programme. Essentially, that's also going to now go into the pockets of landlords, and that could potentially drive up the price of, of rent again, it's the wrong way to but do it. But isn't it a it's fair point that rather than putting all one's eggs in one basket I mean you absolutely, you rightly say yeah. that, that that greater provision of public housing which is clearly needed will have a, a, an impact also on, on the private market but equally some form of intervention in the private market, there's an argument for that too isn't there? Well I don't believe that at this point in time when we have such pressures on our public finances when we all just accept that there are if we, we all accept there's limitations on what we can do and we have to prioritise I don't believe that it, taking huge amounts of money and giving that to developers simply to drive up the price of land is the way to do it. Because if you look at the, the government's solution to most problems and it's Fianna Fáil's way of doing things, if all else fails, come up with a tax break. And that's what this is. This is exactly what happened leading up to the Celtic uh, Tiger, where we eroded the tax base, narrowed the tax base, to want to phase out the USC, t- uh, tax breaks that will drive up the price of land uh, and then not build social housing. And that's why we're in the crisis. Dar- 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 if, if, if Fianna Fáil disagrees with this, will it be seeking an amendment on that? No, we're going to, we're going to engage around it um, it's going to come obviously through in the finance committee uh, over the next few weeks. We we'll engage around it um, you know, to make it as effective as is possible. As a, you know, it's the government are very committed to it. But what we want to see, or most importantly, is to ensure that we get houses, that people start building houses uh, next year. We need uh, houses. That is the big issue. And we'll be work, Barry Cowan will be working right across the housing action uh, program to ensure delivery on it. How long will we have to wait politically, Pat, before we actually see any outcome of this? These these government strategies to intervene in the housing market. Not sure that's uh, well, so the much a political question. It's kind of a practical question as to how soon you will for see how long building sites and hoardings too. and cranes. I suspect, um, and, and I've actually have asked this question of the people responsible, and they expect that within the first half of next year you will see, uh, you know, construction 
taking place on a variety of fronts. Of course, houses can't be built, uh, no, no more than Rome, houses can't be built, uh, built in a day. And uh, so you're probably looking into the latter half of next year at the earliest, into 2018, before you see significant impacts on uh, the housing shortage um, uh, because, of, uh, because of the policies that the, 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 the government has, has introduced. That may create a political problem for the government in the short term, because if we're still sitting around this table discussing next year's budget and there hasn't been a, an appreciable change in the housing supply or signals that it is clearly imminent, then I think that creates uh, that creates a problem for for the government. It's also, an, on, on a related point, I think one of the messages, actually, if you if you read this this year's budget, read the politics of this year's budget, is that next year's budget is going to be an awful lot more difficult because the operation to keep everybody uh, reasonably content uh, around the cabinet table in this year's budget is going to be an awful lot more difficult, I think, next year. Also next year, it is likely, we don't know, but it is likely that there will be a different leader of Fine Gael and probably a different finance minister. I think that will change the political dynamic um, that created this budget around the existing cabinet table. And outside the cabinet room, I think while the political reality was that Fianna Fáil had to agree this budget to demonstrate that it wants to make this new arrangement work, it will not be under that obligation next year. And if it doesn't like next year's budget, it won't support it. And that leads to my final question to to, to all of you, really. Um, Owen, first of all, this, this government was put together after a long and tortuous process earlier this year. This budget, this first budget, was all, always seen as its first major challenge. It appears to be getting through it. Um, is the government in good shape for the ambitions of the Taoiseach to serve for another two or three years, or maybe even four? I, mean, I think it's, it's a fair point that we put a lot of time in putting this structure in place. It is a new structure. It's taken some time to bed down, more than I would like. But I think we're, we're starting to build a, a level of trust between partners to make it work. No one wants an election anytime soon. We won't be able to solve any of the challenges that we've been discussing for the last 30 minutes if we find ourselves in an election within the next year or two. We need time to get our plans to work. We need at least the three years that's in the confidence and supply arrangement. And I think we're in a good position to work that. I mean, it's important to say, though, that I mean, whenever there's a budget, it's a difficult piece for any government to put in place. We had this around the Fine Gael Labour budgets as well each year. This is another test for the government. How would it fare? There'd be some moments of drama, etc. And, you know, then eventually you, you find a solution. And I think that that's just the kind of the nature of politics, in fact, and how it works. I think it's important now with the finance bill as it moves through through committee and with the, uh, the, the social uh, welfare bill that we have a chance then to, to do further work around our plans for the future. Um, I mean, the budget <coughs> process hasn't finished yet. This was actually only the beginning of it. And the second key part is making sure that the money is spent and implemented in the correct way next year as per our plans and that hopefully then that those plans work. David, what's your read on, as you look across the chamber, what's your read on the stability of this government now? Well, for all the talk of confidence and supply, I think confidence isn't very short supply. I don't believe that people have confidence in this government's ability to rise to the challenge, as I said earlier. Um, I don't know how long this government will uh, last. I called it yesterday a temporary little arrangement between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Fianna Fáil had the opportunity to be a full and equal partner in this government, and they turned it down. Now, if Sinn Féin or the Labour Party or any party was to turn down the opportunity of being full and equal partners in the government, it would be lambasted, and rightly so. So this 
suppose Fianna Fáil is obviously waiting in the wings uh, and, and it's our job in Sinn Féin as was proven yesterday we saw in this budget that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael were on the same side Michael Noonan accepted that last night on prime time where he said there's no real difference between the two parties and our job in Sinn Féin is to hold both Fianna Fáil Well I think he described them both as centre parties he said that he said there were differences between them but well, there were, I think there's 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 a lot there of people who will, laugh, uh, who will laugh you know and almost fall off their chair in laughter at Fianna Gael <coughs> describing themselves as a centre party whatever about uh, Fianna Fáil I think it's around it's not about centre or left or right and all this uh, talk yesterday from Michael Noonan it's about whether we make the right decisions whether we invest in the right areas and whether the people who are the uh, the people who we represent are getting what they need which is in the investment in housing and health and childcare and then the investment into the economy that's what's important and we can have different positions ideologically but are we delivering for those families and they will be the, the ultimate uh, people who will make the decision come the next election. Dara, this is still a most peculiar situation for FIFA, not not a situation that's ever been before in its history in terms of its, its confidence and supply arrangement uh, this time out. Do you see it continuing for another two or three years? Look, uh, you, you know, it was formed in a difficult situation. Uh, we tried to lead a government. That wasn't possible. We weren't going putting the country through another general election and possibly a third, uh, as is happening in Spain. So we stood up to the mark. Um, we have a, a confidence supply agreement. We will meet our obligations as long as the obligations are being met by Fine Gael and by the government. Uh, and we work to ensure that that happens uh, and to build around that so that we deliver on housing, that we deliver on education, we deliver on health. Uh, instead of talking about things, we actually get action. Gentlemen, and you are all gentlemen, and that's a bug by the feature, by the way. Not a feature, by the way, let me note that. Thanks very much indeed for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks very much to our guests today, Dara Kaliri, David Cullinan, Owen Murphy and Pat Leahy. Thanks also to our producer, Declan Conlon and engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes. And if you are a subscriber, please do take a moment to rate us or even review us. It helps to get the podcast out to a broader audience. Remember also that you can find me on Twitter at hlinehan or mail me with your views on the show at hlinehan at irishtimes.com. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.